This podcast may contain explicit language and themes, so listener discretion is advised. Ill-advised, misinformed, our half-baked opinions will be performed. Are you ready? Is the mic on? Welcome to the Hill to Die On. You're listening to A Hill to Die On, a podcast hosted by two stubborn as shit Aussies who give hot takes on a different topic, go away to dig deeper, and then reconvene to share whether or not their hot take hill was worth dying on. We're your hosts, Swamp Cabbage Man, Josie Spicer, and Skunk Ape, Cara Brooks. <laughs> this week, we're asking the question, can you actually earn money from an MLM? So for those who are listening who don't know what an MLM is, uh, MLM stands for Multi-Level Marketing. A pyramid scheme. <laughs> Maybe a scheme. Um, the levels do happen to look like a pyramid or a triangle. <laughs> we describe ours more as a trapezoid. <laughs> <laughs> I just figure for the purposes of legality, MLMs aren't a pyramid scheme because they do offer a product. That is the distinction I want to make. They are not pyramid schemes. Multi-level marketing is its own thing because it has a product attached to it apparently. Okay, Kara, do you think you can actually earn money from an MLM? Earn money, yes. Make a living, no earn more money than you are spending no (laughs) so i mean can you profit no at least not enough to be worth it and i suppose like what what do you put as worth it because you know losing all of your fucking friends who are like get the fuck away from me and stop talking to me about your mlm the social loss i mean that's just incalculable so what do you reckon can you make money from an mlm i gather like this question is like on average, can you earn money from an MLM? And mine is a hard fucking no. I don't have the math yet, yet. But even just anecdotally, I've seen friends and family join MLMs. And even if they've gotten lucky and haven't lost money, they aren't accounting for the time put in. Mm -hmm. So they're not giving themselves a, a pay rate. So they are losing money because their time is money. And another fucking job would compensate them for the time that they're spending performing that mm-hmm. work. Yeah, for sure. Do you have any sort of initial thoughts on why you can't, on average, earn money in an MLM? Or, like, have you had any personal experiences being reached out by someone who's a part of an MLM? I have a friend that has been in a few. She's not from memory directly tried to sell me stuff. But it's more like, I think it's a it's a certain type of person, I think, that joins it. And I really like this girl, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say her name, I'm not gonna badmouth her in any way. But I think that there's certain people that are more susceptible to falling victim to, to ventures like that. And, you know, they're the same type of people that join cults. And it's not that they're bad people, it's that they just... Are walking pigeons where people who are in positions like that where they're able to recruit people can recognize that quality in them and often they're like really mm-hmm. nice people and can be really easily manipulated like i know people and basically uh, there's a pattern of like jehovah's witnessing of abusive relationships of like a mm-hmm. lot of things where it's just a cycle of like this is a really unhealthy patterns in your life and this is no exception like I think the the way that that system works is that you, you are sort of downtrodden within it and if you get used to being downtrodden then it's a system that makes sense to you so and I think you're onto something there because I, I want to say that 
people I know who have joined MLMs. Of course, this is not blaming the victims because I do think people who, most people who join MLMs are victims because a lot of the language used, it's like you're a part of something, even without the financial incentives, which, you know, if you're, if you're not feeling very empowered financially or from a low SES background, obviously that seems lucrative enough and appealing enough. Mm-hmm. But even then, usually the way MLMs work is that you've got a team and you've got this new group of friends who are apparently really supportive because you all want to earn money and, you know, get to a higher level together. And then, you know, if you're not doing too well and feeling really down on yourself and, you know, maybe you're being abused by the people you're working with, your new friends, but then you make a sale, then they'll lift you up again. Or if you're th- thinking of leaving, then they may like love bomb you with the language. Mm. And that this happens in both MLMs and in abusive relationships and in cults where it's like giving someone just enough to keep them on, you know? Mm. Anyway, that, that that's my hot take without any fucking evidence, just anecdotal and, and what I know about victimization. I mean, that makes sense to me, like in the same way that like, it's a club. And so if you, you want to feel a sense of belonging and you want to join something, and I think that could be a pattern that a lot of people, at least like in my anecdotal experience, a lot of people that I seem to know uh, who know people that have joined MLMs, it seems to be like the popular people from their high school. Um, and part of me makes me huh. wonder if that's to do with like, you know, a lot of the people who were popular was because they did team things, like they were in clubs and they did sports and they were used to this level of inclusivity and being in a club and being at the center of things and then you get into the real world and that's not what being an adult is you might have you know your friends at work or something but you're not in this like in an all-encompassing sort of hierarchy that you are in the same way that you are in high school and for the people that sort of peaked in high school and were comfortable within that environment and that environment worked really well for them to me it makes sense that you would feel comfortable within another hellscape environment of an MLM so (laughs) yeah so have you ever listened to the podcast called The Dream no I know you don't like being recommended things neither do I but I think it might be worth it's a really quick listen it's like 10 episodes long and it does a really good deep dive on LuLaRoe if you've ever heard of that. Mm-mm. What is it? So LuLaRoe is a MLM that sold like tights. And oh my God, I'm not going to spoil it for you or anyone listening because I think you need to listen to the dream. But in the dream, she does detail how um, I believe it it's like Minnesota and like the Midwest is like MLM Mecca. And a lot of that has to do with religion because not only do you have people who are already in, existing in groups, so you know people to draw from but you also have a lot of women who are in traditionally are homemakers or may not have the same sort of educational work opportunities and then they're presented with this thing where you can work from home as well as being a caregiver and then there's like this additional social aspect so apparently the midwest is like the capital in the world for mlms but it's also devastating for them because there's also a lot of poor areas in the Midwest too. But yeah, anyway, I, I, I will leave uh, you and our listeners to go and listen to that if you want. She does a way better job at explaining it than I do. But I think you're onto something. I think the community thing is like the biggest aspect to it. And I definitely know that myself, not that I've joined an MLM, but I think I'd be very easily persuaded if I wasn't so fucking like pre, like I, I, I hate them so much, but um, I struggle with feeling like I, I don't have a place that I belong to. You know, our bubble is so big and I think that there's a desire to have a small community and I don't have that because I don't have church and I, or I don't have a sports team. And so I feel like people who are constantly feeling not a 
part of something, I think that, as you said, I think they're very susceptible to being drawn into an MLM, Mm. um, even without the financial incentive. Can I ask you a question? If we just lay this out, what does this sound like to you? You work a menial job for Mm -hmm. minimum money, maybe barely enough to get by. You don't really know where the money that you do make goes and the head of everything gets richer and richer. Because to me, that sounds a lot like Western society. (laughs) I have been having this thought a lot because obviously knowing we're going to talk about this, we sit here criticizing MLMs and, you know, rightly so. And we'll get into the math of like why they don't work. But it's a fucking microcosm of our economy. Like It is. The overall structure (laughs) is the same. Yeah. You have people on the bottom doing all the actual work you have people in the middle who you know do a bit of work but really they're pretty comfortable and then you've got those who founded it or got in early or whose parents founded it and their grandparents and yeah Mm -hmm. this is definitely a criticism of mlms but really it's the whole fact that the people who are doing the most work aren't seeing the money and then their hard work pays someone else and that's the problem so it's like why are they structured in this way and how are they allowed to be structured in this way and i think it's the same question as to why is society allowed to be structured in this way and it's the same answer it doesn't provide the people with the money but it provides them with hope with hope that you can one day make the money Mm -hmm. like maybe one day you will be head of the organization maybe one day you will be in the one percent you fucking won't you're more likely to die in the a fucking street than you are to be the head of a pyramid sorry uh, sorry an mlm um <laughs> or to be in the one percent and yet it's the hope that you might be that seems to drive people to accept it uh, rather than just be like you know what i would rather just be comfortable and know that being comfortable is the most i could ever be but at least i will be comfortable yes you know like that's not enough they would rather be destitute with the hope of being able to be rich and that's really depressing. And, you know, numbers-wise, if, if the people at the bottom collectivized and demanded better working yeah. conditions, I definitely want to have a look at actually how many people earn a comfortable amount of money and, like, as well as, like, personal experiences of people. But another sort of differentiation I do want to make as, like, a technicality is that with an MLM, it's, like, you have to pay an amount of money to enter the system. Yeah, like a corporation hires you, whereas in that case you have to pay to join, like membership dues. Yes, and you're not guaranteed a wage and blah, blah, blah. See, this is why, like, if you were joining your MLM, to me a cult seems far more appealing. Like, if that was the reason that you wanted to join something, like... I mean, I look at something like Heaven's Gate and like, yeah, they all fucking killed themselves, but they lived in a fucking mansion, man. If you're going to pay, like at least have them take care of you. Got food and board. Yeah, like get something out of it. Now we take a break for an advertisement by Heaven's Gate. (laughs) (laughs) So, Kara, we've went away for a little bit and... I would like to hear what you found out about MLMs and whether or not you can make money from them on average or not. Did you do some like, I don't know what the equivalent of method acting is. Investigative journalism. Yes, yes. (laughs) No, (laughs) but I did. I watched a couple of documentaries as sort of my primary, I guess, form of research. I also had a bit of a flick through. There's a subreddit called anti-MLM. Ooh, where it's like people sharing stories or, you know, if their family members were, you know, have been seduced by an MLM, 
but basically the first documentary I watched was called The Slave Circle. So it was about an organization where it never explicitly names the company, but basically they change their name all the time, so there would be no point in naming them. (laughs) But it's a company that recruits people and has them... So you know, like, if you go... I mean, we don't have it as much here, but definitely in America, if you went into, like, a Walmart or a Sam's Club or whatever there would be uh, demonstrators like showing new products and it's almost like as seen on TV but in real life. Mm -hmm. It's people who are working for that company. That is a fucking pyramid scheme. Like that's, it it labels itself as multi-level marketing but so the main sort of thing I came across that was the difference between multi-level marketing and pyramid schemes for anyone that's confused because I was a bit grey on it as well. I'm like, aren't they all just fucking pyramid schemes because that's the whole idea of a multi-level. But the difference is supposed to be that in multi-level marketing you make, like legitimate multi-level marketing businesses, you make money from your sales Mm -hmm. whereas in pyramid schemes you make money from recruiting other people. Yes. Yeah, so it's like the more people that are under you the more money you make versus the more sales you make. So basically in the Slave Circle documentary it was talking about the whole recruiting process of that company and and their ethic and like what they sort of drive into their employees and this was fucking disturbing so they had three commandments (laughs) as if this wasn't culty enough already you know one have a great work ethic two have a strong student mentality Mm. three always 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 have a positive attitude so what i heard from that was one work for free Two, do what you're told. And three, don't fucking complain. Exactly. That's the translation. Yeah. Um, So basically the whole thing is all about control. Like, even in their training, they had no seats. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, they were making them all stand. (sighs) And they said their reasoning, like, the way they tried to justify it was, it's to keep everybody active and awake. But then they were like, nah, it's just another method of behavior control. Mm -hmm. Like, you're telling them what to do and you're breaking their spirits, basically. Sounds like some sort of freaking, like, torture, low-key brainwashing torture sort of stuff where just fucking with people and making them yes yeah like as you said breaking their spirits and breaking them down it makes them more susceptible to the brainwashing because they're tired and like yeah so basically training is an indoctrination in a lot of these places and it discussed a little bit about how they primarily target women so they target women to recruit and it's because the consequences of an MLM are things like social alienation, ostracization, divorce, shame, addiction, bankruptcies, debt. And all of these can be written off as consequences of entrepreneurship of women or female <sighs> success. For fuck's sake. So it's really easy for these things to happen. And then it's like they just are hating on you because you're successful and they're jealous. You know what I mean? Versus like, no, <laughs> you're being a pain in the ass. It's like, oh, she tried to have it all and she failed. And Yes, exactly. And that's such a cultural thing, like with, you know, patriarchy is that women can't have success. So the quote that I found was from uh, Peter Vandenat, who was a senior economist at the Federal Trade Commission. And this was in, in relation to a pyramid scheme versus an MLM. And he said, an organization is deemed to be a pyramid scheme if the participants obtain their monetary benefits primarily from recruitment rather than from the sale of goods and services to consumers yeah so that's pretty clear what this is but in saying that like mlms in general even if they are making money from sales a lot of them don't make a lot of sales so it's really you know if you're making money from it the question is how much money can you make is it a profit most of the time when you see the statistics about how much money is actually made it's before subtracting the business expenses so (laughs) What I was confused about when I started looking at this was how can people be losing money? 
You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, especially if there was no joining fee to join, I was like, well, how do you keep doing it? And how do you keep putting money into it without making anything? And the whole like sort of, I guess, mentality of it is that they keep telling you that you will be successful and you will make money. In the pyramid scheme, the way that they make money is they recruit people under them and then they force those people to buy the product, like pre-buy the product and they have to sell it on. Mm And in companies like, I think it was Neutralife and a couple of other ones, it's it's a food product and so it expires. So they get stuck with all this stock that they then can't sell because it's expired. It's illegal to sell that, yeah. Yeah, and then they owe the company. So yeah, like I can understand totally how it happens and it's fucked that they make them pre-buy the product. That just reminds me of, did you come across Lou LaRoe at all in your research? Yes, where they had like the, um, they lost their warehouse storage or something and then they had everything out in public. Did you see that? I haven't seen that, but like they're really bad at like, like inventory loading where it's like, if you want to be on this tier of seller, then you need to make sure that you're buying X amount of inventory to sell on, but also you don't get to choose what that inventory is. Yes. So many people would just give an ugly poorly made moldy clothing so they can't sell it on yeah and the company doesn't care because they've already made the money from the seller having to buy it so when you were like when you're breaking down those definitions of like mlm technically has a product and all that kind of thing one thing i saw someone was like yeah so pyramid schemes they are based on recruitment but mlm's kind of seesaw they try to like balance between oh we can't actually earn too much from recruitment even though that is obviously like the way to earn money Mm -hmm. so they have to balance it out by like selling product but like it's so easy to like lean too far to the recruitment side and then all of a sudden you're a pyramid scheme kind of thing for sure yeah and it's like i get that pre-purchasing product and then selling it like that's how a shop works sure but that's the issue with having all these considered as individual businesses is that you're forced like imagine if i had to go to work and pre-buy art supplies and sell them on <laughs> you know what i mean like it's like that's the shop's job and i am an employee like mm-hmm. having everyone be their own boss is the issue here because you're you're making them a business when they're not in a position to be a business like a lot of people are not in the position to take that risk because it is a risk pre-buying product and then having to sell it and targeting vulnerable people because a lot of the time there's no recruitment process really like apparently the the extent of a lot of these in terms of recruitment is just are you willing to do it and do you not ask too many questions that's basically what are your credit card details so you can buy the 300 dollars starter kit or whatever yeah exactly so some stats that i came across just in regards to mlms in general so there was some research from the federal trade commission and this is interesting 99.6 percent of participants in an mlm will lose money once their business expenses are taken into account jesus fucking christ <laughs> there was um some other research that said the average salary before subbing business expenses was 70 cents an hour. Excuse me? Before subbing business expenses. And that's the average. Yeah. So that's accounting. That's not the median. Yeah. And you've got to think that would be including everyone in the MLM, including the top dogs who make millions. Exactly. So, yeah. So these stats mostly are from the respective company's own disclosure statements. So 85% of new skin reps earned zero commission in 2017. 85%. I'm laughing, but I actually feel devastated for them. Right? 
89% of UK Herbalife reps earned nothing in 2017. Oh my god. In 2005, 90% of distributors who were not supervisors and 60% of supervisors left Herbalife. So good for them. The top selling unique rep in the world earns less than a waitress in retail commission. Excuse me? Yep. Excuse me? A statement um, (laughs) regarding Arbon. On average, Mm -hmm. no one makes any money. With, with with Herbalife, eighty percent quit and are replaced each year. So just in terms of like the population as a whole, like you've got to think of how many people are actually willing to join this in the first place. They're gonna burn through everyone, you know. Like yes. how long can this possibly last? It's not a sustainable business model if eighty percent of people are quitting and the whole like point of the business is to recruit people. Like you're gonna run out of people. I'm still just reeling over that unique thing. Yeah. The top earner. Yeah. I, I see this is the thing is like I think I even came into this with the sense that there are some people actually like making bank. But I don't know besides being in like the corporate office, like head office, I don't think that anyone is making bank. Yeah, exactly. Apparently seventeen percent so at Herbalife, right? Only 17% of all distributors are even eligible to earn anything from Herbalife as sales and... What? Yep, because sales and recruitment quotas must be met in order for them to become eligible to earn their commission. Eligible. Yep. So even if you made a bunch of sales, but you didn't (gasps) recruit anyone, you haven't met your recruitment quota, therefore you don't make your sales commission. And you're not earning a wage. That has to be illegal. I don't understand how that's legal. It's because it's, I mean, you know, it's a company that started in America and they have fucking money in the pockets of the people who are making the laws and not checking up on this shit. Of this 17%, so of the people that are eligible to make money, 30% or so earn $0. So they're eligible, but they don't actually make anything. Oh my god. (laughs) 48% of that 17% earn $1,000 or less for the year. 1% of earn 88% of the profits. And you can guess who those 1% are. Like, they're the, the people who have been there from the ground up. So this also, all of that, all those statistics this is before business expenses so the net income is negligible so actually the people who were eligible and were reporting zero actually they're minus taking business expenses into consideration they're in debt yeah that is the most egregious thing i've fucking heard yep today at least (laughs) so the other sort of point i guess to make of what differentiates so we talked about what differentiates a multi-level marketing from a pyramid scheme but what differentiates a legitimate business from a multi-level marketing and because that was something that i i wanted to look into like you know i feel like in a lot of ways even viewing multi-level marketing if it was a legitimate sort of business model or if people were making money from it like what is different about that versus like me going to my job or any form of extreme capitalism where you do have these really clearly defined tiers of like Mm -hmm. this is a lower rung employee and this is the next level and this is the next level and you're sort of stuck where you are you know yeah yeah so basically with a legitimate business employees are viewed as an expense they should be limited to what is needed like a company isn't gonna say yes come work for us yes come work for us yes come work for us when they only needed one person that's true you know because it costs them money to have you there like most of the time in my job we're understaffed because the company doesn't want to pay to have extra people so we just have to do more work yes 
And that's common in a legitimate, so to speak, business. So in a multi-level marketing, employees are viewed as assets or as consumers, like their potential consumers and their assets to the company. So it's unlimited. Like there's a huge lack of barriers to entry to Mm -hmm. having a job. As many people that want to work for their can go work there and basically the issue with that is that everything is finite so there's like market saturation you're going to have relationships collapsing like there's a limit to how many sales you can make in that position because if you know if you're in a small town for instance and you recruit someone and you expect them to make sales that's going to infringe on your sales and yet Mm -hmm. you're making money from their sales and they have to recruit people like it just keeps going down the chain where you only have so many people in the town they can't all just be giving yeah. you their money, you know, like. And this is where the internet has really helped MLMs, I believe, because that kind of territory has broken down a bit because you can market to anyone. It doesn't just have to be your small mm-hmm. town. Yes. Deception Bay had like one or two Avon ladies, but there was no, even though you can recruit in Avon, they didn't want to push that because then they're on their turf kind of yes, thing. Yes, exactly. And they would be losing sales to the new Avon lady. Basically, so the other thing is that they call everything an opportunity. It's not a job, it's an opportunity. And the language is really important, the way that they Mm -hmm. try and manipulate people. And I thought because of this, I guess, like, I, I think I had preconceptions that it was just stupid or naive people that got involved in these. And what I learned from watching and listening to a lot of people that had been in them, like, had then come out of them, is that a lot of them were intelligent people. But the common thread they had is that they were all really fucking vulnerable for whatever reason. So it was often, yeah, like, yeah. smart people that were down on their luck, like, desperate people that had just, like, lost their job. Immigrants, like, so many immigrants being taken advantage of. And that is really fucked. So it's, like, anyone at the wrong time in their lives, basically, could get involved in this. And it's really easy to say, like, well, I would never be that stupid. But if you had friends that were doing it and you were in a desk, they had been brainwashed and then were like, hey, you can make so much money, just come do this thing with me. You might, yeah. you know, like, because you trust your friend. You you might not realize they've been brainwashed and you're so desperate that you just would do anything in that moment for the potential of having money like selling hope is how capitalism exists totally we've all bought into it in some level yeah and i i've seen a lot of people be like oh you know dumb MLM people thing. I take a huge issue with that because, you know, you, you've grown up poor as well and it fucking sucks. Mm. Even though maybe there's a voice in your head that says, hey, this isn't right. If someone's telling you with the right language and right enthusiasm and is welcoming you into a community saying, here's your opportunity out, you're going to throw that away. Like, is this normal to want better for yourself and your family? Yeah. And whether legally or not, I consider MLMs to be fraud. Like, they're fraudulent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's one thing about fraud as well, just in the general sense, including, like, romance fraud, where people, like, give money to fake lovers online and stuff like that. I had a lecturer who came in and was like, you might think it's just, you know, kind of stupid middle-aged older men but actually people from all ages and of all classes can become susceptible to online romance fraud or other types of fraud because these people kind of as you said they're down on their luck maybe they've just come out of a divorce yeah or maybe they they've had their own like mental health thing the people preying upon these people who get sucked into these fraud schemes like they're very good at picking out who is susceptible oh for sure and that's part of the recruitment process is like you go through these interviews and it's basically weeding out the people that they think are going to catch on to what they're actually doing like if, if you're sitting there being like wait i don't understand how am i supposed to be making money from this or you're asking intelligent questions and not just because you're intelligent because intelligent people can fall prey to it 
too. I mean, you know, but it's more about if you're asking questions that are showing that you're not in need of it. Well, you're just not wanting the opportunity. Exactly. You're just hating on their success. Yeah, that's exactly it, though. Like if you were sitting there saying, like, I don't really understand how I'm supposed to be making money from this or... (laughs) Can you show me like statistics on how much people are actually making or can I talk to, you know, if you start prying too much into it, they're going to say, okay, Mm -hmm. it's not for you. Like this isn't an opportunity for you. And it's basically because you're not desperate enough. Whereas if you are desperate enough, you are not going to ask those questions because you will do anything. And that's, that's the tragic part is like the people that it's taking advantage of do not deserve this. And it's really sad because it doesn't just like make these people worse off financially but there's social costs that come with it too oh yeah for anyone interested as well that documentary the slave circle is up on youtube like that's where i watched it oh okay it's not just a job they basically force you to interact like your entire social circle becomes that MLM so that you're forced to do like company activities together where like you all have like a social night and you do this thing yeah and it's like gross like (laughs) trying to force them to be so insular and I guess part of it is probably so that you don't have people who are not desperate being like hey I think you're in a scam again it's kind of brings it back to that sort of cultish abusive behavior Mm. where even in just like uh interpersonal like romantic relationships the abuser will alienate the victim because their friends are the ones that are going to plant the seeds saying hey maybe you should not be in this situation like maybe this is not acceptable Mm -hmm. yeah yeah was there anything else you found no that was really the summary of it i don't always know what angle you'll choose but i feel like you are very good at giving like a broad overview of stuff so so i I could count on you to come through with the statistics of how many people (laughs) actually (laughs) earn money on this thing so a little bit of an admission i did a typical josie adhd thing where i kind of got distracted from the actual question (laughs) the question is can you earn money like there were some things in this study that were like no you don't i found someone's thesis that they handed in this year called Hun Zoning, a qualitative study of women's expectancy violations surrounding multi-level marketing message strategies on Facebook. And I was like, amazing. Like this blew my mind. And this is how I got distracted from the actual question of can you earn a profit? Because I was like, Hun Zone, Hun Zoning. <laughs> oh my God, that is the perfect term. Yep. This is written by Naomi Yannick. Um, at University of Nebraska. She kind of explained that Hun zoning is an expression that can define the expectancy violation that happens when MLM sellers lull a person into a false sense of security by engaging in friendship communication norms and behaviors that then ultimately lead in an attempt to advertise products or recruit that person to join their MLM. So hun zone, friend zone, like that kind of amazing yeah, phenomenon. So that was just like my favorite new word for the day when I read this. Basically, this actually addresses the social cost rather than the financial cost. Um, so didn't really address our core question but oh well this is my podcast (laughs) do what I want it's all right we already covered that shit let's move on to something else well yeah that's why I kind of figured I'm like you know I I think it's important to talk about the fact that no you don't profit from an MLM but like I think kind of what this paper says as well is that not a lot of people academically write about the social costs of MLMs like that's a huge gap in the research well this is talking about I mean we just talked about how much money you can lose which by the way the people that were interviewed it was upwards of like 15 20 grand are you fucking kidding me nope 
So, you know, we've talked about this, the financial cost, social cost is just as important because you can lose so much more. Like I definitely value my social life more than my financial life. So I, I imagine that that's far more devastating. I think it's definitely worth talking about. Yeah, no, you're right, actually, because like even, okay, well, what would happen once I lose a lot of money? Like that would suck and it would be life altering, but you would like to think that you have a support structure, like maybe your friends in your community can help you once you yes. lose that. But if you've been able alienated or if you've alienated other people as you're losing your money then that's traumatic as hell yeah this paper um kind of specifically talks about online hun zoning and it kind of asked people who self-identified as someone who's been hun zoned (laughs) to describe like their experiences through facebook oh it also mentioned that studies have been done that show that you're more likely to win from gambling than you are to profit from an mlm which is just well so like go to the casino instead of neutral life (laughs) yes no 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 please do not go to crown casino and sell your neutral life you're not gonna earn money (laughs) just like rock up there with all the neutral life just put it on black (laughs) man we don't take that Oh shit, would people at casinos want to buy? Okay, no, I'm not going down that thought process because I'm like, is there like a good market for MLM recruiting? Right? Hey, I see you like to gamble. This is the highest risk you'll ever take. Maybe if we had less ethics, we'd be really great grifters. Right. (laughs) Then finally getting to experiences described by these people who had been hun-zoned. So there were some common themes that kind of came up and then the violations that were experienced. So the violations that happened over online messaging, there were three key ones. The first one was the use of intimate communication, private messaging, building up intimate conversations, and then hitting them with MLM talk. Like that was a violation that is going to get you a negative reaction from a lot of people. Yeah. Then the second violation was aggression when declined. So the whole, well, you just don't want this opportunity or you obviously don't want to take care of your kid. Really kind of abusive stuff. It's so gross gross the third violation the failure to set boundaries between their personal and professional facebook page so this was kind of the three violations that would always occur when being hun zoned i'm also like kind of laughing because i do that in terms of like my art page is my personal page you're not (laughs) you're making it clear when you're i'm not like pushing product like i i don't think i actually do like individual posts in terms of like i won't put it in my feed as like hey come buy this or this is for sale it's more like i'll have a story like hey i'm open for commissions these are the prices rah 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 but like it's like hit me up if you want if you want it not like luring people in and having this vague hey how great Mm -hmm. are these pieces it's like my personality is my art like it's a very blurred yeah you draw comics and write about your experiences like it's hard i can see how that is harder to kind of separate yeah so those were the themes in terms of like the social violations that they found across the board with the study participants but then when it came to language i thought this was really fascinating and and you probably have witnessed this through the anti-mlm subreddit and in fact i think most people who know who have experienced mlm stuff can probably pull up the image in their mind of these things Mm. so the three language themes the first one was love bombing with specifically with heart emojis this is where people will comment on either a picture of you or like pm you and say like hey babe heart 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 i love seeing how you're thriving right now you're killing it well done i'm so proud of you heart 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 love bombing which is also the term used for when a 
abusers are like trying to make amends. Yes. It's kind of, again, this connection. And I'm not saying that people in MLMs are inherently, like I'm not calling them abusers. Like I want to make that clear. But I think it's important to talk about how similar these like messaging and communication tactics can be. And then often (laughs) the respondents said that you can tell that these were copy paste because they'd have poor spelling or they would forget to change the name of the person they were typing. Oh no, it's a form letter. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's why it's easier to just say babe, you know, babe and hun. You just send it to everyone. Exactly. So then the second one that they noticed was weird medical advice, especially with people who have children or who were known to be sick or disabled. They'd be like, hey, noticed you are going through chemo. Oh, fuck off. You're a bit stressed right now. I've been trying this thing and wow, it's helped me with this, this, this and this. Message me for more. Gross. One of the fucking things that I didn't even know wasn't even a product or an option was through reading the anti-MLMs. People messaging being like, hey, hun, what type of water do you drink? Did you ever see those where it's like this special, like demineralized, some weird bullshit. And it's like, it's just fucking water. You're literally selling, you're selling magic beans. Like fuck off. So I told one of my friends that we were recording this episode. She was like, you won't believe it, Josie. Just after we spoke about this topic you're doing, this guy from high school messaged her about some like demineralized, electrified water or something like that. Electric water. And apparently it's like connected to the Mormon church, but is like really like sus about talking about that. And she's just like, no. I don't know if he love bombed, but he certainly used the weird medical advice. And then he went into the third theme, which is the boss babes theme where it's like you can empower yourself while you're studying or like you know you can be your own boss and get forward in the world and I, I think that one is especially insidious fucking hell if that can't message me I'd be like you know what kind of electric water you can have mate grab your fucking toaster and jump in the bathtub <laughs> fuck off okay so she mentioned she's studying part time and then it's like oh part time so you're working as well and she said no I lost my job in mid February but I'm like studying he's like oh hopefully you can find something you enjoy Soon. What made you choose teaching? I actually help people generate an income in their spare time. And then she replied with, I don't have to sell products or work for a corporation that is unethical. It's a service to the community and one that allows me to help bring up the next generation. She's just like, yeah, fuck you. You are not going to make me feel like my work isn't valuable. Because she could educate people to not join a fucking MLM. Fucking <laughs> hell, right? How to recognize a cult. This is your sixth grade class. <laughs> yes, that'd be actually really useful. But I think she remembered what we were talking about because then she write, oh, Sure, I'm open to learning what you're doing. Can't guarantee I have spare time to commit to it, though, because she's just like, I need to find out what his grift is. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And that's when he brought up, yeah, ethics is super important to me, too, which is why I chose to partner, partner, interesting, Mm -hmm. with the company. And my mum flew to the US three times to meet the founders and people in the organization. And she and others attest that they are some of the most genuine people you'll ever meet. This video explains the company. I never watched it. Oh, yes. I partnered with a biotech company that discovered a breakthrough health technology that forms a new category of science. What? Bullshit? (laughs) 
I'm sorry, mate. Like, pseudoscience already existed. Sorry, Swinny. Like, all of that is so painful. A new category of science. Why haven't yeah. I heard about this? <laughs> Why hasn't my husband, who was a scientist, come right. home and be like, Josie, there was physics. There's biology. You need to hear. Like, mate, Rachel's a teacher. She needs to hear about this. <laughs> to be fair, if you're going to teach the next generation, you do need to hear about this new science. And it, it's just water. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of an aside, but I just I just get so mad. I just get so <laughs> mad. Especially the science ones. Like, I mean, I still think the beauty ones are gross, but at least they're just like, hey, if you want big eyelashes, here you go. But yeah, and then like the final thing was like, oh, how do you feel towards these people that have hunzoned you? And they're like, I just feel hurt. I feel like I've questioned every other interaction I've had with them, but they all expressed empathy. I think that was a really kind of nice thing to see was like, everyone's just like, man, I know how much like life sucks. People are struggling. And they were also like, man, they're probably going to be so lonely as well. Like everyone's just like their friendship circle, like they're pushing everyone away. Yeah. So, Kara, the actual question we asked is, can you earn money from an MLN? You said no. I would like to hear if you've changed your hill or not. Slightly. I think you can earn money from an MLM if it's your MLM. <laughs> oh, right, right. Okay, so if you if you are, like, the corporate CEO... If you're the CEO, yeah, you're going to make fucking bank, man. What about on average? No, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> That's how the CEO makes money, is he's taking your money. I'm still on no, you can't earn money, like, on yeah. average. And I'm even willing to say that the people who once earned a lot, like, maybe had a few weeks got in on the ground they're probably technically corporate now mlms are cruel and i do not believe that you can have an ethical mlm i barely think you can have an ethical business yeah and i think the the social costs even if you did earn a little bit of money i think you're ultimately going to lose people around you well thank you for listening to this episode of a hill to die on next week we're asking the question what is the can our pets understand us? But until then, you can contact us through Twitter on A Hill to Die On Pod. You can like us on Facebook at A Hill to Die On. Our website is A Hill to Die On Pod and has been recently updated. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash A Hill to Die On Pod. Our email account, which is actually being checked, is Hill to Die On Pod at gmail.com. And our Instagram, if you want to give us a follow, is A Hill to Die On Pod. Until then, bye. Bye.